If you have your Bibles with you, we're going to jump right in today. We're going to jump right back into Matthew chapter 10. And uh, last week, we started by looking at Jesus sending out the 12 disciples, the apostles, to heal the sick, to raise the dead, to cleanse lepers and cast out demons, all the while proclaiming the gospel, the good news of the kingdom of heaven. And then we detoured from there for a while. And we detoured from there as we observed Pentecost Sunday and as we observed the filling of the Spirit for all who would believe in Jesus. We explored the idea that it is God's will that all of these miraculous and wonderful gifts uh, are in use in the church uh, and should be in use in the church and that we are actually called by God's word to earnestly desire these gifts. And it says that especially that we might prophesy. And, and, and it's just that. They're gifts that the Lord at his will will give. But we are called to earnestly desire and to practice and live these things out. That was last week. Um, we're actually called to desire these things. I hope and trust that for the glory of our God, our Father, we earnestly desire the Spirit's work in our midst. I really hope that we do. Um, you know, just as Nick prayed for me to be filled with the Spirit, my strength, your strength, our strength alone, we just can't do the work that we're, suppo- that we're called to do. We just can't do it apart from the Spirit at work. Jesus, Jesus has a great and glorious calling for each and every believer's life. No, no two people are going to look the exact same. Uh, and, and as far as gifts and as far as calling goes, um, but but each one of us has a distinct ministry that God, before the foundation of the world, has in mind for you. And it's a mission, and he has it assigned for you. And it's never going to be achievable on your own. It's only going to be by being partnered with Jesus that will ever accomplish this. We need the Spirit's power at work in us and through us. We need that Holy Spirit in us, the power and love of God to be made known through us for God to receive the glory that is due his name. Otherwise, it's just our wisdom and our strength. Oh, heaven forbid that we ever go there. We don't want to go there. I need strength, power, love, wisdom, and the majesty of God on on display in my life and in your life for the sake of the good news of the kingdom continuing to impact the earth. Amen? That's, I, I just pray for that. Lord, Lord, would you pour out your spirit? Humble our hearts before you always, constantly. Lord, would you speak to us as we take the time to be still and listen? Would you guide us in your ways and confirm your word with signs and wonders by the hands of your servants? Lord, we, we pray this according to the authority and truth of your scripture to us. We thank you that you will act. Come, Lord Jesus. Come, Lord Jesus. Amen? Amen. Amen. Well, today we're jumping back into Matthew 10, as I said. And so you can flip your Bibles there. Uh, And if you already have, then, hey, you beat me there. Uh, Matthew chapter 10. Last week, we just didn't do it justice because we went down that big rabbit trail, uh, that wonderful truth of how God's mission is to send his people empowered by the Holy Spirit. But there's much more to this passage than just that. And even what we touch today is going to simply be an overview, but it's something I think is going to bring some balance and understanding to us as as we anticipate, as we eagerly desire um, 
these miraculous gifts of the Spirit, we also uh, see the words of Jesus. In all of that goodness, there is some hard things as well. And so we need to glean from this passage today. We're going to look at four main truths as we work our way through this passage today. But honestly, first, we have to start, and it's exactly what we prayed just moments ago. And we have to start in in chapter 9. So just the first couple verses, uh, or the first few verses right before chapter 10, because this comes from this place. Let's read it together. And Jesus went throughout all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom and healing every disease and every affliction. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion for them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. Amen. We just prayed that. Lord, send laborers into your harvest. So Jesus sees, he, it says he saw the lost people in the crowds and his heart just aches for them. He had such compassion on them. He has such compassion on them, not condescending or, or looking down on them. They're like sheep without a shepherd. And, and in, that, in that way, these sheep, what, it, what that means is these sheep are in a very vulnerable state. Sheep are vulnerable animals. They need a shepherd to guide them, to lead them, to protect them. And so Jesus says to his disciples, in essence, he says, okay, guys, there are so many, and it's your turn now. It's your turn now. You've seen me caring for these lost sheep. You've seen me caring for these people. And Jesus then in Matthew 10 goes and he says, okay, guys, now it's your turn. Now it's your turn. You've seen it. Now you get to do it. He says, pray to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers. And oh, by the way, as we get into Matthew 10, he just says, and you're the answer to that prayer. And I believe that we, the church, are the answer to that prayer still today as we continue to pray that prayer. Um, And we get to be that answer. Jesus's mission, it was so much bigger than just the local context of his earthly ministry and going to the cross, which is central and foundational. And we always thank God for the cross and without it, nothing stands. But what he was doing here was the kingdom of heaven has arrived and was inaugurated on the earth in Jesus. And now it was time for expansion. Jesus was sending out his people filled with the spirit to expand his kingdom because he, he was doing a good work and he wanted it to go farther. Um, it's kind of like this. In, in 1948, in San Bernardino, California, uh, which we know from a popular song, maybe, if you're o- older. <laughs> um, okay, Nick's shaking his head. He doesn't know. Route, route 66. It's okay. Um, Richard and Maurice McDonald, they opened a restaurant in 1948. Uh, This was a brother team. They were entrepreneurs, and they developed a method uh, that was incredibly efficient, and they started selling hamburgers. They started selling hamburgers at 15 cents a piece, and and this restaurant was crazy busy. Can you imagine going and getting a hamburger for 15 cents? That's amazing. But even in 1948, it was a very cheap hamburger, and uh, people were just lining up. They were crazy busy. 
That was in 1948. Fast forward uh, to 1954. There was a milkshake machine salesman, and his name was Ray Kroc. Uh, He noticed that while the rest of his clients around America were seeing a decline in business and the milkshake business was, was declining, for some reason, this little restaurant in San Bernardino, they had eight of his machines and they were just busy all the time. So this intrigued him and, and he went to visit these brothers and, and, he, and he showed up and he saw how these brothers had this operation and, um, and it was just going really, really well. He says, you guys, have, you guys have something really good going on here. Like we ought to open up some more of these places. And so it was a local a local popular establishment, and, and Ray Kroc, he had this idea, why don't we open another one? And the brothers thought about it, and well, we don't really want to do that. We're not even sure how to go about that. And Ray said, well, we got to get somebody to do it. And after a little bit, Ray thought and figured he'd give it a go. So he opened up another restaurant in California, modeled after the original, and it kept its name and everything. And McDonald's had now expanded its franchise. And so that's, the, that's how McDonald's got its start. And the rest really is history. Because from there, they took that franchise and just kept branching it out and multiplying by taking that original idea and multiplying it and multiplying it. And now there are over 33,000 McDonald's worldwide, all over the world. It's, it's nuts. Um, and you can say, oh, McDonald's, you don't eat there. Everybody eats at McDonald's. It's just, every, they sell billions of hamburgers. Like, it's nuts. Um, but what's the, here's the point. What started as a local popularity, it moved to a regional movement, it moved to a national movement, and then an international movement, and now it's the, the largest restaurant chain in the world. Jesus... His inauguration of the kingdom of heaven, obviously, it's far more important. And that's tr- that McDonald's thing is trivial. But it's the, same, it's the same similar process. And Jesus is quite strategic in how this thing is playing out. Uh, he was and he is establishing a global kingdom. But he was, at that point, just in Galilee. But what he was doing is he was starting, and then through sending out these 12, he was expanding this kingdom that he inaugurated that is now spreading globally, and it is still spreading globally. And we are still praying for God to send out laborers so that when the ends of the earth are reached, Christ would return. That's, that's what the age we live in, that the good news would be proclaimed, right? It says from from Galilee right here, it expanded to Jerusalem, to Judea, to Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. And we've all reaped the benefits of that. The, uh, having a global, uh, a global religion, especially in that day, was unheard of. Each region had its own deity and they worshipped it. But Jesus was starting something that he wanted to go global because he is the God of the world and the king of the universe. And so that's what Jesus is doing here. He is, this is part of his grand plan to export the good news, to export the invitation to the kingdom of heaven, to everyone, everywhere. And this account in Matthew 10, we see this first expansion, this first expansion happening with these 12 guys that Jesus chose quite intentionally. 
It says he called to him his 12 disciples and gave them authority over unclean spirits to heal every disease and every affliction. Jesus called these men. This is Jesus's plan. And that's truth number one for us today. Jesus calls us to a covenant partnership with himself. Jesus, Jesus doesn't only simply come to save us and get us a get out of hell free card, but he actually calls us to a partnership, a covenant. Just it uses that language of like being married. Like I am covenanted to Leah. What's mine is hers. What hers, what's hers is mine. We are covenanted together. And in the same way, Jesus calls people to himself to a covenant partnership with him. He did it with these guys and he does it with you and I. You can't even, you can't even love Jesus without him calling you to himself, the word tells us. And then you get to be in this partnership with him. And so Jesus, he sends these 12 out to do all the things that they just saw him doing. And why is that? So that, exactly what they just prayed, so that the harvest of souls that God wants with him would be brought in. A major part of God's plan of expansion for his kingdom is through those who accept that call to that covenant partnership with him. A major part of God's plan for expanding his kingdom is you and me, the church. And so, in that sense, when we come, we get to choose to be servants and partners. We don't come and, and choose simply to serve, but we choose to be servants. It becomes a part of our identity, a core piece of who we are. It's not that I choose to serve here, but not there. Or where. No, we, who we are is a family of servants to our Father God, just like Jesus said he came to serve the Father. And that leads us actually into the second truth that we're going to glean from this passage today because Jesus' disciples, they were sent on mission. And so because we're Jesus' disciples, Jesus' disciples, and by extension, each and every one of us who calls Jesus Savior and Lord, we are sent on kingdom mission, empowered by the Holy Spirit. We looked at that last week a bit. And as we see in Jesus' directions to the disciples here, there are specific strategies, specific directives for them at this time uh, that will differ in other times that they're going to be sent out. So Matthew, Matthew 10, let's look at it. The, the, it won't be up on the screen, but in, in starting at uh, verse 5, it says, These twelve Jesus sent out, instructing them, Go nowhere among the Gentiles, enter no town of the Samaritans. So we can already pause there and we can see that these are going to be specific directives for their specific mission at this specific time. Because later he would go and he would send them beyond those places. But Jesus has a strategy. He says, proclaim as you go, saying the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse lepers, cast out demons. You receive without paying, give without pay. Acquire no gold or silver or copper for your belts. No bag for your journey or two tunics or sandals or a staff for the laborer deserves his food. So these are specific, specific mission objectives, if you will, that were given to these disciples. And we, we see later on in the gospel that they're sent out another time and the rules all change. Actually, it goes actually complete opposite of what Jesus said. So what we, what we can glean from that is we are sent on specific 
mission as well as universal mission. There is the universal mission of all believers to go and make disciples who make disciples. That is a universal mission. We are all supposed to love God and love people. We are all supposed to obey his words. But then there's going to be specific mission as well. Those are universal missions. We are all called to make disciples who make disciples. We're all called to love God and love people. But how that plays out in individual lives can vary from person to person. We need the universal and specific mission for us. You know, we need to know how to discern these things. Coming up soon, uh, we're going to be offering a Hearing God seminar. Um, and um, that's going to strengthen us. It's going to enable us to hear God's word uh, in his written word and to hear his voice in our life more clearly as we discern his will in that way. And so I just encourage you to stay tuned for that as we get set to for that in the, in the future. We're not sure exactly if we're going to do that an online thing. We're going to see how these restrictions are playing out, but um, stay tuned for that. Uh, we're going to leave that for today other than to say we're all ministers of the gospel. Every one of us by nature of accepting the call to covenant partnership with Jesus and his words to his disciples to go into all the world to proclaim the good news of the kingdom. And that's really exciting. I really, well, at least I hope you think it's exciting. It's really exciting to be partnered with Jesus and be part of this global movement of his kingdom advancing on the earth. It's incredible. And he's so faithful to speak to us and give us our specific mission, even just morning by morning as we delight in him and as we seek his will. We get to walk with him and it's amazing. Um, and then Jesus, he shares, goes on from there and he shares this incredibly sobering but obviously incredibly wise words for these disciples that he's sending out. And what Jesus shares here, there are two types of warnings. So these guys now, they have authority over illness and demons and all this wonderful stuff. And it's like, yes, all right, let's go. But then he gives some warnings. And it's, it's reality here. The first is this warning of persecution. And that's found in verse 16. He says, behold... I am sending you out as sheep in the midst of wolves. So be wise as serpents and innocent as doves. That's verse 16. Again, the sheep speaks of a vulnerability. Jesus says you are going to be on display and you are going to be vulnerable before people that are going to hate you. So you need to be wise. Wise as serpents. I don't really understand how a serpent's wise, but maybe that's lost on us. But we need to be wise. It doesn't mean be dumb. We need to be wise as serpents and innocent. We need to live in, in such a way that we're innocent as does. We are innocent before God and before men. And we need to expect that we are vulnerable in that place. Let's keep reading. Beware of men, for they will deliver you over to courts and flog you in their synagogues. And you will be dragged before governors and kings for my sake to bear witness before them and the Gentiles. When they deliver you over, do not be anxious how you are to speak or what you are to say. For what you are to say will be given to you in that hour. For it is not you who speak, but the spirit of your father speaking through you. Man, I can just imagine being these guys receiving these words from Jesus. And 
I mean, we talk about the spirit and we live in the, in the new covenant, but these guys, this was mind-blowing new stuff. Like they saw this teacher, this rabbi doing these things, but now the spirit of Father God himself is going to be doing these things through us? Like, are you, are you kidding me? But the expectation is because you are going to be in dangerous places for the sake of the name of Jesus. It says, for my sake. Jesus says, for my sake, these things will happen. Brother will deliver brother over to death. And the father, his child, and children will rise against parents and have them put to death. We don't think of that very much in our context here, but around the world, this is a very present and, and real thing. Family members betraying family members because people have given their allegiance to Jesus. It says, you will be hated by all for my name's sake. Remember, for my name's sake, don't be hated by all because you're a jerk. Be hated by all for Jesus' name's sake, being wise as serpents and innocent as doves. When they persecute you in one town, flee to the next. For truly, I say to you, you will not have gone through all the towns of Israel before the Son of Man comes. A disciple is not above his teacher, nor a servant above his master. It is enough for the disciple to be like his teacher and the servant like his master. If they have called the master of the house Beelzebul, how much more will they malign those of his household? Jesus is just saying, if they, if they hate me and they think I'm of the devil, they're certainly going to hate you and think you're of the devil. And so this is a wise word. I mean, sometimes we think, man, if we could just have all the miracles and do all the things and set captives free, it's just going to be the best and everybody's going to love us and it's going to be like heaven on earth. But Jesus says, that's not happened until he comes back. What the reality is, is that, yes, you're going to see wonderful moments and celebration of new life and new birth in Jesus. But what is going to happen is this expectation of persecution and hardship and trial. And he warns them of this so that when it happens, they stand firm and stand fast in Christ so that they don't give up and question what this whole thing is about. And I think that's an important word for us today as well. And that's the first warning is this. There's going to be opposition. This is not a neutral message or thing that you guys are doing. This is the kingdom, this global kingdom expanding on the earth. It is going to have pushback. We, we have a very real enemy who wants to push back against this. So that's the first warning is persecution. And the second is judgment. And we start, pick that up in verse 26. It says, so have no fear of them. Have no fear of those who are persecuting you. For nothing is covered that will not be revealed. That, that's fearful. Or hidden that will not be known. What I tell you in the dark, say in the light. And what you hear whispered, proclaim on housetops. And do not fear those who kill the body, but cannot kill the soul. Rather, fear him who can destroy both soul and body in hell. Jesus is speaking of a very real judgment for us if we deny Jesus. If we deny Jesus and we decide that going through the persecution and those who would hurt us just isn't worth it and we want to shrink back in shame and we're ashamed of Jesus— Jesus says there's a real possible judgment. We should fear that more. We should fear ending up in hell more than we fear the physical and emotional suffering that is horrendous here. 
Remember, for his sake, we need, to, we need to endure. But rather, we need to be more afraid of being outside the family of God and running down a road that leads to hell rather than the road to life with Jesus. And, and as the Apostle Paul put it, that these sufferings are, are, are temporary. They're, they're small compared to the glory that is coming. So Jesus gives us this second warning, which is judgment. This message of the gospel will divide. It is not neutral, and it doesn't, doesn't get a neutral response. You know this in your interaction with people. The gospel of Jesus does not get, if it is properly formed, it does not get a neutral response. We are sinners before a holy God in need of a savior His name is Jesus, and we need to humble ourselves before him. There's no neutrality. Either you're on your knees bowing before him now, or you're cursing his name. There's no other options. There's no other options. So we need to stand firm, and we need to expect that there's going to be polarized responses to this good news. Around the world today, as I said, people are ousted and ostracized, even fear for their own lives for accepting the gift of grace and free life in Jesus. Radical Islamists would, would have it in their law that they, their family members, they would have to kill their family members if they came to Jesus by their own families. Brothers and sisters, disciples of Jesus, Yes, you can experience the grace and the love of God and the wonders and the miracles sent from our Father. You are his beloved, and he is amazing. Yet in this age, please expect trouble. Please expect trouble. Expect that you will be opposed by the world. If they hate Jesus, they're going to hate you if you're representing him. But it's far worse to be apart from the Lord. He is the giver of life. So stand firm to the end. That's why we're going through the armor of God on Sunday nights. To stand firm. We must know how to stand firm in the evil day. So much of our North American gospel is centered around come to Jesus and everything's going to be great and fine and everything's just going to be better. You know, I have a love and a joy that I wouldn't trade for anything and a peace in my soul, in the depths of my being that is just awesome. And yes, there, we, we just read it in Psalm 103, forgetting on all his benefits. He is so good. He is so good. And Jesus is the greatest treasure. But the world often doesn't get it. And it can be difficult, really difficult. We don't understand, my generation especially, we just don't get it here in North America. We just don't. Get it unless you've gone and seen. And I, and I like to read lots of, lots of testimonies and, and um, stories of the persecuted church just to keep me sober-minded in that because it's happening all around the world right now. And to be honest, it can happen here in the blink of an eye. If history has told us anything, it could happen like that. So will we stand firm? Will we press on? Jesus gives us warnings. And they're out of his love and, and out of his understanding of how thing act, things actually work here. Even the best news in the world, the best news in the world, it can be rejected. And you will be rejected too because of it. So recognize it for what it is. 
and stand strong in the faith. You get to that finish line and you get that well done, my good and faithful servant. Be faithful to our Lord. He is so faithful to you. And there is so much good to come. So much. The reward is more than we can imagine. It's more than we could ever think. And that's the fourth truth from Matthew 10 today. At least it's related to that. Jesus speaks warnings and then he shares about rewards. Starting at verse 40, whoever receives you receives me and whoever receives me receives him who sent me. The one who receives a prophet because he is a prophet will receive a prophet's reward. And the one who receives a righteous person because he is a righteous person will receive a righteous person's reward. Whoever gives one of these little ones even a cup of cold water because he is a disciple. Truly, I say to you, he will by no means lose his reward. Jesus actually uses reward as a motivation in our kingdom life, in our kingdom walk with him, in our covenant partnership with him as we're going through persecution and trial and struggles. You know what? Um, this passage is speaking of persecution and judgment, but I know as well we need to stand firm even just when there are hardships of life that are thrown our ways. When you get that diagnosis that just changes everything, will you have that faith in Jesus to stand firm through it as well and allow him to prune your heart and also press in and know, trust his words that he will be near you and close and a great comfort. I promise he will. If you will seek him, you will find him. But we gain reward as we live our lives in service to this king that we've pledged our allegiance to, to this master that we are following and being sent out by. This love that we're committed to, that this we committed to growing in intimacy with this love named Jesus. Not only that, but others who accepted us and the message, this is what this, this passage is saying, others who receive us and, and receive the message of Jesus, well, they're going to be rewarded as well. So in the context of community, rewards actually increase in the community of faith. We encourage one another and we gain rewards for that in the age to come. And it's going to be, it's going to be amazing. The reward of God's wonderful presence. It's a reward that we have in part here and now. And oh, what a hope coming with the expansion of his kingdom when it comes in full view when Christ returns. When Jesus returns and establishes his throne forever and ever, and heaven and earth are one. It's, it's just, he's coming. He's coming back. Will we stand firm? Will we go on mission? Will we listen to him? Will we foster that love? What a reward it's going to be at the end to stand firm, to be living here in perfect creation as it is always meant to be, and as we were meant to be, I long for that day to just stand before Jesus and everything is made known, as it said, and I'm just who I am before him, and I'm ushered into that forever kingdom. I long for that day, and I pray and trust that you do too. There's been lots of takeaways from this passage and we have a response. We have a responsibility to respond to these things that we, we hear. These are the words of Jesus Christ, the Savior of the world. And the first thing is, Jesus is calling, to, calling you to a covenant partner relationship with him. 
in his mission on the earth. Jesus is calling you to a covenant partnership with him. So would you give everything aside to say, yeah, I'm all in. Just like those 12, he, he called them and they left and they followed. Now that's not meaning that we're all called to go into full-time ministry like these guys were and do the exact same life that these guys were. Remember, there's universal and specific, but would you say yes to his calls for you to follow him? It's life and it's freedom. Would you give up anything to follow his agenda and accept his call to partnership? Give your yes to Jesus today. If you haven't yet, give your yes to Jesus today to follow him no matter what. Partner with him. Jesus calls you. And the second, like the original 12 disciples, you are sent on specific mission for Jesus. You are sent on specific mission. Do you know what that is? Do you know what that mission is? Do you wake up in the morning and think about what is my mission for Jesus today? Do you think about those things? Have you ever prayed and waited on him for that answer? Have you ever prayed and waited on him for that? Do you know his call on your life from this word? That call on every believer to make disciples who make disciples? To love God with all of your heart, soul, mind, and strength? You know, if you haven't considered this and, and, you, and you don't even know where to begin to discern God's will, specific will for your life, outside of, outside of his word, which is wonderful, and we need that first and foremost, and we need to be saturated in it. But if you would like to learn and to grow in that, consider joining us sessions that we plan on, on kicking off in the near future. Consider doing that. You can hear his good plan for you in the day as you're going just learn to recognize his voice as he leads and he guides john 10 says that jesus says i'm the good shepherd my sheep hear my voice i know them and they follow me we need to hear his voice to know how to follow where to follow for that mission that he's sending us on the third thing is we can expect hardship and persecution in our life for our faith for Jesus' name's sake, as he said. Are you ready for that? Are you ready to stand firm in the midst of terrible persecution? Because we're told that we're headed as, the, uh, as this age comes to, to an end eventually, and we're told that Christ is coming soon. We're told that there's a great tribulation coming. There's going to be a great harvest of souls, but at the same time, there's going to be a great tribulation is your relationship with Jesus firm enough to withstand those persecutions and storms? Continue, continue to foster a deep, maybe start fostering a deep and personal relationship with Jesus now so that you can persevere for his name's sake. But that comes by fostering that relationship with Jesus here and now. Is your relationship strong enough to withstand that testing? Pour into that relationship with just desperate prayer and just begin. You know, it's, it's, it's something that like, like muscles, we get to grow in and strengthen as we grow. Pour into it, call out to him and he's going to give you his spirit, which is not a fear, which we just read about that we don't even have to fear our persecutors, but it's a power and love and sound mind knowing we walk with Jesus. 
And finally, if you know Jesus, rejoice in him. Rejoice in the hope to come and rejoice in the wonderful rewards that we get to look forward to for being faithful and kind here in this age. Rejoice in Jesus. He's so generous to give us those rewards and to tell us about them in his word. Pour into that relationship. Listen to Jesus. Follow him and receive the reward that he has for you. Thank God for the hope of rewards to come. And let that be a motivator. Let that be a motivator when things get hard, when things start to press around you. Church, there's, there is just no substitute for knowing Jesus. And yet there's no substitute for just pressing in. Pressing in now and deepening that love relationship. This morning, I had such a sweet time in my devotions with the Lord. And, and earlier in the week, just so... I was just so emotional and, and just beside myself for the love of God, the love of God. He loves me so much and I'm still such a mess at times, but he loves me so much. He loves me and he loves you. Press into him and experience that love, that love and then that peace that comes from it that surpasses all understanding. Those are the things that we get to to live into that we would stand firm in the midst of anything that this life would throw at us for Jesus's name's sake. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we thank you first and foremost for being so amazing that you are so patient with each person and you're patiently waiting for the day you will return so that each person who will be in that kingdom would come to the knowledge of who you are and stand firm in you. Jesus, it's not just about praying a prayer and joining the club and paying our dues and staying up to date with that. No, it's a loving relationship with you. It's a partnership with you. It's being sent out because you are worth it. And we want to see this. We want to see this global kingdom here and now. We want to see your kingdom come in glory when you return. So, Lord, send out laborers into the harvest in Springfield, in Canada, in North America, in the world, Jesus. There are still unreached people groups. Jesus, send us. Send us to those places with the good news of your kingdom lived on full display and preached on, uh, in love with no hesitation. For you are worthy. You are so good. We thank you. We praise you. Would we go this week mulling on these things? And would you lead and guide us in our specific mission each and every day as we take time in the morning to seek you and ask you and, and praise you? Lord, would you lead us and guide us into your mission and your calling for each and every life represented at Pine Ridge, and for whoever else is listening, we thank you that you're so good to know and to guide and lead all of this. You're a wonderful king and a wonderful God, and we love you. Amen.